All right, folks, and uh, welcome to episode two of the Things That Matter to Me podcast. Um, as you heard in episode one, uh, this month's focus is about music. Um, and so I thought, who better to uh, bring into a conversation about music than somebody who does music for a living, um, sort of. Uh, we'll get more into that in a second. But I have with me a good friend of mine. Um, this uh, is my good friend, Kelsey Busey. Kelsey, say hello to everybody. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> that is how Kelsey says what up. It's true. Um, is she says, or says hello is she says what up, yep. apparently. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to learn more about Kelsey and how she connects to uh, this concept of music. Um, she's pretty smart, um, in spite of the fact that she says what up to say hello. Um, <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> let that be a judgment. Up <laughs> um, just kidding. Uh, but yes, so uh, Kelsey, let's start real easy. Um, and just tell us a little bit about uh, your musical background, things that you did with music growing up and all that fun stuff. Sure. Um, so I was thinking about this today because I was like, you know, I don't think that I have a very musical background necessarily. Because I think of like, when someone says musical background, I think of like a child who starts playing the violin at like age two, like straight out of the womb, yeah, can play the French that. horn. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those bizarre. No, no offense. <laughs> if you, no offense if you did that. Okay. But like. I have a little bit of judgment in my heart for you because oh, wow. I'm not as good as you. That's the only reason I'm judging you. Okay. Enneagram so four you're over here. I'm a little bit hurt. Anyway. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I think I generally just grew up being like an imaginative person. And so a lot of times when you're imaginative, you actually just kind of sing, turns out. You just like walk around singing songs. And when you're, you know, two and three and you're an only child. I'm sure my mother would tell you that I probably sang lots of songs and forced her to make up songs. And then, you know, pile on, what is it, John John Green? David Green? I don't remember his name. Little cassette tapes of, like, Bible songs. And you've got... Steve Green? Steve Green, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, John hide Green. Him, hide them in your heart. I yeah, I did lots of hide them in your heart. And, you know, those those kinds of old cassette tapes that you just right. kind of listen to in the car all the time or they were just on in the background. Oh, and then juxtaposed with um, <clears throat> U2. So oh. that was my dad's yeah, music of choice. Yes, uh, Steve Green and U2. So yeah. that's technically my musical background. I didn't, you know, my, neither of my parents are musical. Neither of them forced me into an instrument per se. I started playing mm -hmm. piano when I was eight, but like that wasn't a force. It was kind of a, oh, this, this could be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Steve Green and U2. About it. Yeah, Steve Green. And the Miss Frizzle uh, Magic School Bus <laughs> theme song. I can sing that thing from memory, man. <laughs> I mean, feel free. That now's no, your no. opportunity no, if no. you'd like to. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I, I'm a little too old for Miss Frizzle and the Magic School Bus. That was not a part of my gotcha. educational background, but I know a lot of people, um, you know, like my wife's age and younger, who <laughs> that was like a major part of their, of their, uh, their childhood in yeah. elementary school and all that stuff. I have ever missed out on that. Um, I mean, it's it might be worth you going back and watching because honestly, I, I learned so much. <laughs> I mean, it can't be as bad as some of these children's things. No, it's not. It's, I'm sure some it's better. It's got to be true, better. True, terrible awfulness. Ugh. All right. So you didn't have much musical background. There wasn't any, but there wasn't like you had, you know, your great, great grandmother and your great grandmother and your grandmother and your mother all played instruments and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Um, so, 
would you say that music other than that played any kind of role in your childhood? Was it anything along those lines besides things that you mentioned early on or, or, or even talk about the transition from like starting that piano and sort of what, what kind of hooked you at that point? Deep sighs, I sink into <laughs> contemplative thought. <laughs> um, I don't particularly know, just because I don't want to say I've blocked my childhood from my memory, but I'm sure that there are parts that I have blocked. So, <laughs> well, who doesn't? You know? We're gonna we're gonna try and access those. Okay, oh, I just okay. I think like just like my first real memory of music, I guess you could say, it was just the giant. And I'm talking probably 700, you know, huge, 700 pounds, giant piano that my parents somehow, somehow had in our house. Like, I, this thing, I don't know how we moved it out of our house. I don't know how it got in, and I don't know how it got out, because it literally was the size of a car. People Just, probably moved it. Okay. That's my guess. No, don't do that to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting in our living room, and it's like one of those old ones that, you know, is really ornate mm -hmm. and collects dust really easily. So that's like, and it, like the keys are all yellow, but they're ivory, and they're it's out of tune and it's awful. But I just remember that was like where everything started, and I think okay, okay, everything's coming back. I had to like oh, go, go back to oh. South Carolina. We're really unpacking. <laughs> Whoa, <things here. laughs> and I think a, another big part was like one of my aunts came to visit my family and brought her guitar. She was, like, very musical, like, played for her choir, everything like that. She brought her guitar and was singing a song, and I was singing along with her, and I, I very distinctly remember her telling my mom, I think she might have perfect pitch, which I don't. I have close, but it's oh, not perfect. Oh, she said that about you. She said that about me. I'm, like, oh, nice. six to eight years old, and she's like, I think she might have perfect pitch, which, like, I didn't know what that was. I just was like, oh, my aunt's complimenting me. Wow, thank you. Like, <laughs> you know, eight-year-old right. me. Um, but, like, that's definitely a – that sticks out, and then the piano sticks out, and then sitting at, like, the piano with my mom playing piano and thinking, I want to be able to play what she's playing because she and I actually started taking lessons together at the same time. Just, like, cool. she had apparently taken years and years ago but, like, stopped because, you know, no one made, her, no one made her keep doing it. Right. So she decided to take with me – um, so I think it all just kind of comes back to that. And then like from, from that moment of seeing the piano and then being with my mom and then taking piano lessons, it kind of just started going towards piano. Like everywhere we, everywhere we moved, I had to find a piano teacher or like, you know, this piano teacher's not working, so we have to find a better one. And I really grew with this piano teacher, but didn't really grow with this one. So I don't know my, <laughs> ever since the beginning and I say beginning, and I mean like eight to ten years old. <laughs> right. Two, two beginning of my of like right. The beginning of my like formative memory, um, or like what it, whatever that memory. I'm sorry, brain doesn't work. But I don't know. Yeah. Okay. If there's an actual like, there's a part of your memory that doesn't start like really kicking in until you're between the ages of six and eight, and whatever part of that memory is, piano is is like a central part of all of those memories. Gotcha. And so I don't have like a huge background, but it's just like piano. Right. That's it. And that led to your... Just led to, to more where piano. To where yeah. you are now. <laughs> Lots of piano. Bit, right? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about... I know this. I'm going off, off script a little bit, but yeah. that led to sort of your education um, mm -hmm. at uh, in college, which mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about that sure. experience and <laughs> what, what, what led <laughs> you to that crazy choice? Uh, 
Well, again, since the age of eight, everything I can remember is being at least somewhat decent at piano. And that was like my thing. Like, I wasn't very good at sports. I didn't really have any, you know, promising career in writing like you or anything like that. Like, there was nothing that really stuck out for me except for music. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much that I was just like, you know, the, the four-year-old virtuosic uh, violinist. I just was right. good at it. It's just, it was like my safety net. Um, sure. And so I took lessons all through high school and then realized about junior year that um, my original plan for college was falling through and so I was going to have to come up with a backup one and went like exploring on local colleges' websites just like in their music department to see what they had, to see what I could do while I lived at home because, you know, poor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I came across my school and, like, was clicking through their music department and came across music therapy, and I was like, oh, I read the description. Okay, yeah, okay. And I don't know, it was just, there wasn't a flashing neon sign that said you're gonna do this or anything crazy like that but it just like something clicked and I was like okay well now you know all of this music that I've been doing teaching myself how to play the guitar all these things that I've been doing have kind of just led to this and I'll just use piano to get into this program nice there there wasn't any like interest in like psychology or anything previous to that that suggested that might be something that would be in your future not necessarily um I did a lot of volunteer work in high school with um, adults and adolescents with special needs. And so I feel like that's a lot of the times the background that music therapists have is like you work with people with special needs in high school and you're like, oh my gosh, I love helping people and I also really love making music. Then you combine them. And as simple and like kind of boring as that is, that's just kind of the foundation of the music therapy community. We love people and we love helping and we love music. End. You're right. That, that does sound boring. No, I'm kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's like, that's, it's not boring necessarily, but that's like right, everyone's right. answer. You're like, why'd you go into music therapy? And they say the exact same thing that you say. And you're like, okay, well, cool. cool. Um, so you graduated what, last? Was it last summer? Or the summer? Technically, I graduated this past December oh, because okay. well, I had to do my internship. No. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that gives yeah. an in- internship. I was still technically in, in school. Right, right. That's cool. Um, yeah. And you, you did a, a, a concert, which was cool. That was a, f- a fun experience I did a that I got to, to go to. Yes. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't let her fool you, folks. She's actually quite good. So. Thank you. Um, the piano. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun. My We're, favorite thing was, was hearing the feedback and people being like, I didn't know you could play the piano. And I'm like, yes, I've only been doing this for, you know, 20 years. <laughs> I mean, I knew that you could play the piano, obviously. Um, just to kind of, you know, to, but to like, let yeah. everybody else into it. Kelsey and I. Kelsey played with me in the um, worship band for our church for, for a couple of years. Um, so I knew you could play, but I also immediately felt bad um, for <laughs> obviously insulting your prowess and, and musical intelligence. Um, I mean, that wasn't necessarily my fault no. that the songs are that way, but, you know, I, that was my, my initial thought. Was, wow, I'm, I'm really just taking it easy on her. But anyway, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you need to give me, like, so, some Bach to play during church or something. I, I know, I don't seriously. Know. Could you just whip out some classical? <laughs> Prelude some and fugue. That's like a... You know, a harder concert. stuff. <laughs> um, Moonlight Sonata even would be... Uh, yeah, I mean, here, so. sure Derek would have appreciated that. <laughs> For sure. Um, anyway, so what are you doing now with... So the, obviously the music therapy thing um, was the, the thing that you did in school. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So tell us what you're doing with that now, because um, you recently found a job in your field. Is that correct? I did. I did, and was very blessed to have found one pretty much out of the gate with my internship. That was definitely something that, uh, I don't know, when you have student loans staring you in the face, and you're like, okay, how am I going to pay these off? So having a job right out of internship was a big blessing. But yes, I work for a private practice doing music therapy, and so I don't just do... Um, I don't just work with, like, adolescents or, you know, adults in hospice. I work with a wide variety of clientele, anyone from the ages of birth to death, pretty much. So, well, I don't is think death, we... Is death an age? I don't think It is. I mean, well, I have hospice patients, so that's pretty much as close as you're going to get to death right there. All right. So, not um, to be, you know. And is that, so are you, like, in a hospital, or are you kind of going from place to place? So, um, a lot of the times, I'm in people's houses which is kind of a fun experience for me to have to throw myself into people's lives for an hour and be like, hi. That sounds terrifying. It's, it's, not, my, it's not my favorite thing, but I'm like able to be happy enough that I can keep up with it. So I actually don't, yeah, I enjoy getting to know the parents as well as the child. That's like something that I've always loved is um, like music therapy isn't just it's not isolating. Like, music mm-hmm. therapy isn't designed to be isolating. It's designed to be, like, for your family and for, you know, your family's at least going to see the benefits, right? But if I sure. can engage with your family while I'm engaging with you, that's even better to me. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. So, uh, can you tell us, I mean, I know there's probably not, like, a like a normal day. Um, if I imagine each day is kind of different. Um, but, so rather than sort of taking it that way, um, can you talk a little bit about, because I think this whole music therapy is sort of a new thing, right? Mm-hmm. Would you say that's mm-hmm. that's true? It's about 80 years um, old, yeah. 80? Okay, that's yeah. older than I would have thought. Well, I mean, it's um, still, like, pretty young, so. But, yeah, com- I guess compared to sort of most therapeutic mm-hmm. session and types of, of, of thought, it's, it's certainly yeah. new. So can so just kind of tell us a little bit about what does it look like? Like, what kinds of things do you do with, with your patients? What are the sort of... What's the kind of rationale behind it in the first place? I know that's a lot of questions all at once, but um, just kind of the, the overarching thought behind it and what does it look like um, on a regular basis? Okay. I know it's probably all different all the time. but <laughs> Well, so I guess there are like three or four different answers to that one question, what it looks <laughs> like on a regular basis. So sure. I guess we could start with me. So what it looks like for me is me with my guitar, a bunch of different instruments, and just like a constant game plan in my head. I at least have um, a description of the client before I walk into their house, even if I've never met them. Or if I've met them before, I have a more specific game plan. Um, But I have my guitar and my iPad, you know, just like the tools that I might need to best engage this client. And that's that's the constant, that I'm always present with my guitar and my music. Um, So that's the one answer. So that's what that looks like. For me, okay. like I have a guitar. I'd love to have a keyboard. Anyone willing to donate? I'm here. It'd be a lot easier. <laughs> a lot less, um, a lot more weight to carry is really is what I mean to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come toting the keyboard on your back. Well, I mean, I feel like it, it's definitely less limiting than the piano in my mind. Anyway. Sure, sure. You know, classical pianist, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then they also have, you have to consider just the diagnosis as well. So if you know, I'm not going to do the exact same kind of interventions that I do for a person who's, you know, actively dying as I do for, you know, a seven-year-old with autism. Mm-hmm. 
Um, those are not going to be remotely, th those aren't going to look anything like each other. Um, now what I do for, you know, my patients with cerebral palsy and, you know, brain, brain injuries and that kind of thing, those might be similar, you know, working on just like functional skills and that kind of thing, but each, each client gets their own music therapy and it's not just one. And um, every time that, <laughs> this was my least favorite question in the entire world and it came up every <laughs> single year throughout college was like, what's your definition of music therapy? And we're all like, honestly, we don't know, okay? Just leave us alone. <laughs> we don't know <laughs> because we don't. And right. it's not that we like are uneducated. Like I am very educated in this subject. I just couldn't tell you what, I mean, because it's different. It's not one thing. It's different. It's, it's because using, it has so many definitions, there's right. no one way to define it. There's no it. one way to define it, yeah. It's essentially just like using, like creating specific goals for each client. It could be anything from like musical related. So like say this, play, this patient really wants to learn how to piano. Learn, learn how to piano. Mm. <laughs> learn how to play piano. English. There we go. <laughs> We're going to learn how to play piano. That's mm -hmm. going to be their goal, and they're going to, you know, we're going to work on it, and they're going to get it, and it's going to be great. Or they're not going to get it. Like, anyway, so that's going to be their goal, and that's very musical. Or maybe they have a less musical goal and a more functional goal, such as, you know, learning how to speak again after a stroke or a traumatic brain injury. And because of the way that music um, affects your brain, music has the ability to impact different parts of your brain, which make it possible to not just do musical-related goals. Okay. So, like, you need to walk again, you need to speak again. Okay, we can do that. So I mean, obviously, I'm going to partner with other therapists who are more trained in, like, speech language and, right, you know, right. physical therapy. But, like, I'm a supportive therapy that is very valid in this situation. So, so it kind of ranges between just kind of using music as a tool to help them reach certain goals, but it could also be that becoming proficient in music as yeah. part of that goal, just kind of depending on what their right, needs are. Right, right, yeah. So, it, yeah, exactly. It's all based on the exact needs of the patient. So, like, a lot of the times, like, my hospice patients, it's just relaxation and, like, an improving the quality of their life. Mm -hmm. And that, for that, that just means that I'm just playing playing guitar and I'm just singing. They're not, they might, they might not even be responding. They might be asleep. Right. And I'm just singing, you know, and I'm just providing them with a place where they can be safe. Versus actually pushing someone and like helping them work and grow. You know, I'm not going to push the hospice person, you know, um, or the person in hospice, excuse me. Gotcha. So, yeah, it, it really varies. Um, right, yeah. <clears throat> and I forgot the seven other questions you asked me. <laughs> uh, me too. Uh, I, I, I think you kind of answered them about talking about the sort of benefits of, of doing this. Mm -hmm. um, but do, is there a correlation, and I'm just sort of spitballing here, between sort of more standard and uh, um, sort of psychoanalysis, sort of psychology stuff that you find, or is it mostly more like m kind of motor neuron type of stuff that you're talking about there? Or is, or is there a relationship between psychology and like in terms of the like standard way that we think of therapy and what you can do for patients as well? You can't see it, but I'm nodding, nodding vehemently because yes to both questions. So we have different practices um, within, not practices necessarily, but different like branches of music therapy. Um, so a lot of the like rehabilitative stuff that I was talking about, stuff like 
you know, learning how to speak again, learning how to walk again. That is all part of a branch called neurologic music therapy. And that's, like, there's so much research done in that area that's only, like, I don't want to say only, but, like, it is only focused on music and the brain. And it is fascinating. And it's all about how the music we make and the specific, like, sounds we use and the tones of the music and everything like that, how they all play into and affect your brain in the healing process or in the growing process. And, like, there is a ton of research. So, yes, motor neurons, like... Mirror neurons, um, you know, reforming synapses, like anything, anything you could possibly imagine in your brain, music can probably do something with it. Um, but then also on the other side, yes, there's a lot of psychology that goes into music therapy. Like um, a lot of times I can sit in a session and be like, I don't really want to do music right now because you don't necessarily, like the music that I might provide might not be... Um, as beneficial as me just therapy. I don't want to say therapizing because that's not a real thing, but <laughs> it's definitely not, a <laughs> not a real thing. <laughs> Engaging in a, Engaging like a in sort like, of more standard therapy Right, session. right, like, like actual conversational therapy. Like a counseling type of thing. More yeah, and I'm not a counselor, obviously. I, I don't have a degree in psychology. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm by no means like qualified or... Um, you know, legally allowed to be a therapist per se, but a lot of times music therapy gives you this space where silence or just like conversation is equally valid to the therapy process as the music itself is. And so I really enjoy those times because, I mean, music naturally flows from silence. Music naturally flows from conversations like that. Like, Perhaps you have childhood trauma that you need to talk about before you can write music about. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we can write, we can talk about it, and while you're talking, I'm going to like jot down ideas, and then we're going to write a piece of music together based on it. You know, or some, like, that's very, very basic. And I, you know, I'm still working on my whole concept of trauma and all that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. psychology is, is a core like foundational thing in music therapy because it is therapy right we're still treating a whole person not just their body not just their brain we're treating them as a whole um and so you need to be able to engage with them as a whole so yes to both questions (laughs) nice so that you know that kind of works in you know nice ideas like if you're in therapy sessions that maybe silence is not necessarily the only way to to handle that in the sort Mm -hmm. of standard way that we see like in movies where, you know, there's some guy lying on the couch and talking to his, his, his psychiatrist about stuff. There's another way to, to kind of look at that. And I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of something that you're able to do with, mm-hmm. with what, you're, what you're doing. And yeah. one of the many, many, many things that you're right. able to do. Well, and if you think about it, music is so normalized. Therapy, therapy perhaps is not as normalized as music is even. You know, we always have... <laughs> I would think not. I mean, we always have music in the background. Mm-hmm. And if you can harness that power of music to be your therapy, like, I don't know. That, that to me, I'm just like, why wouldn't you do it? you got to do it. Come on, do it. <laughs> sure. Um, it, it occurs to me, though, like, the reverse is also possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of, like, music that triggers negative emotions oh, yeah. as well could also, I mean, is there some element of that? that oh, yeah, it, that's that well? very valid, yeah. And, I mean, at that point, perhaps you wouldn't even listen to the music. Perhaps you would just talk about why. But then maybe even... Maybe you would listen to it at the same time, and perhaps there are like musical elements to the song that 
are what trigger it. And then you could maybe work through it. So I don't know. I'm, yeah. you know, still new, still haven't seen. <clears throat> An area of research for yes. future study. <laughs> I'm you sure. You go back to I'm school sure. for your PhD. I, you mean my master's. I need to, oh, you got to do I, that. I, I haven't even gone for my master's yet, man. Well, hey, you know, that's That's, that's um, next. <laughs> those things are overrated, I guess. Oh, yeah, you would uh, know. <laughs> I have two, so it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, anywho, um, so let's uh, just talk. I have, like, two more things I want to talk about. Okay. Um, the first is, so you talked about sort of music in your in your career, which mm-hmm. is a cool thing that most people don't get to experience if you, you know. Um, but what about, like, in your sort of daily life outside of work? What kind of role, what kind of... Does yeah? What kind of role does music play in other stuff that you that you do that's not work related? I was thinking about this one too. Um, it's really funny. I think that I I honestly think that I get like overstimulated, so it, it almost plays into a self care kind of thing. Um, okay. That like music because I'm constantly surrounded by it and making it doing it. It's almost like I'm tired of it. You know, if, if you sit at a computer all day long, you're not necessarily want to go home, going to want to go home and sit at your computer for the next five hours before you go to bed kind of thing, right? right. Like yeah, you yeah. have to have a break. So I think a lot of it is like sometimes I'll come out of a session and I won't turn on my radio and I'll just roll the windows down. Or, you know, I'll just sit in my car. I'll, like, talk to myself. I'm just going to go ahead and admit I talk to myself, whatever. It's okay. Um, they say that's a sign of genius or something. Okay, you know. well, you know. <laughs> Uh, but then also I have places where, you know, I'm like cleaning my house and I just really want some like quiet folksy music in the background. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So like in my own life, music is more of like a, it's more of a background and less of a constant, like in my personal life, if that makes sense, because like music is such a constant in my yeah. work life that it kind of just has to fade to the background. And it's still very valid in my life and I still you know, whenever, like, whenever I'm going to the gym, I have to have a specific playlist, or whenever I'm, you know, <clears throat> cleaning my house, I want to have a specific playlist, so, I don't know, does that answer that at all? No, no, it totally does, and I think I understand that on, I mean, I spend most of my time reading student essays and stuff, <laughs> so it makes, it makes reading other stuff harder, because yeah. I'm just like, oh, my brain just literally cannot handle mm-hmm. more words mm-hmm. being input into it. But then on the other level, as you say, there's this sort of like, and this is going to sound bad, but when, you read, when, when you're reading, like I'm reading for like critique and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, it's nice to just be able to just read and intake information <laughs> and not have to be like, oh, that sentence was really poorly written. Let me explain to you how you can fix it. Yes. It's like published work and it makes it so much nicer to be yeah. like, so there's sort of like fine line between yeah, I get tired of reading a lot, and so I want to do other stuff a lot of the times that doesn't require that. <laughs> but it's good to read good stuff um, to sort of not have to think about it in the same way. So it's kind of yeah. using different parts of the of my reading brain, I guess. Um, yeah, that's a really okay. good good way to put it. That's how I, I feel. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> maybe I'm just rationalizing. I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so... Um, you, you are uh, guest number one on the, on the podcast here. Mm-hmm. So um, the sort of final question that I'm going to wrap up all of, all of the interviews with. Um, so the podcast is called Things That Matter to Me. Uh-huh. So uh, 
sort of we're talking about this in the first place. So I want to ask you, why does music matter to you in a sort of sort of if you had to give like a you know couple of sentence definition of why it matters to you, what would you say about? <laughs> and this is a uh, an audio medium, so you can't make that weird face at me because people can't. <laughs> Oh, why are there always these questions in life? Like, these questions just need to be, like, like, eradicated. Yes, or, like, the, if you could, like, describe yourself in three words, what would it be? Like, no, no one cares. Come on. You have to be that short. I mean, mean, sort of, you know, why does it matter? Why does does music matter to me? I mean. And it's your answer, so you can do whatever you want. Well, I think, I think it could be multifaceted, right? <clears throat> I think the main, like, most easy level for me is that music really matters to me because I've seen what it does in people's lives. Um, on a first-hand level, right? I've performed the music and watched what it's done in their lives. Right. And on a deeper level, I think that I could say music matters to me because of the beauty of it, which is very much an Enneagram 4, thing for me to say. Thank you. Oh, we'll um, probably get into that another you, time. I, sure. When you do, can you like call me? Cause I feel like yeah, the forest of absolutely. fours. Okay. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and so I think that music on an aesthetic level is very important to me because I feel like it adds levels to our life that are only really achieved by other artistic things. And it's such a, it's such a normal medium you know like you don't go to a museum to listen to really good music you can just pull it up on your phone right so I think that just just the aestheticness of it and just especially like intricately good music just like makes me grin and is so important (laughs) and so wonderful to me that I think that like okay so music matters to me because I've seen what it does in people's lives and I truly appreciate how it adds to my own life, yeah. like aesthetically. Right. I yeah. think that I think those are good. I think those are good answers. Um, and I, th- I think sometimes, just to kind of piggyback on that, sometimes it drives me a little bit crazy. I think the sort of normalization of it mm. is part of. It's both good and a like detrimental yeah. like downfall for it because people consume it as if it is nothing. Mm-hmm. As if it required no effort. Like even what I would consider the quote unquote worst music in the world made by, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing required some effort on the part of that person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even if I don't like it, I still have to be able to go, oh, but they worked on that and they mm-hmm. put, e- and, you know, maybe they didn't put like what I would consider like enough effort <laughs> or it doesn't work for me or I think it's whatever it might be, but it still requires that effort. And I think there's sort of downfall to like, I can get this whenever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, as this is the, the a blog entry that I just wrote about this was like, I feel like I yeah. consume it so much that I'm just like, uh, I'll just listen to this. And if I don't like it, then I just listen to it. And it's no big deal. And I just move on and it didn't cost me anything. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of a, a downside sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's very consumerist. Right. Like it's a very consumerist mindset. Yeah. And I wish that, I mean, I honestly wish that we could go back Sometimes, sometimes I'm, sometimes I wish this, that we could go back to days of like, you know, classical composers where you literally had to go pay money and go to a concert hall to hear this premiere of this piece, you know, 
and then maybe the composer would fall over dead or like yeah. get thrown in prison by the king. Like who knows? But <laughs> and if he didn't hear it, then he didn't hear it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it was like it's like a real like true treat. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right about that. That was good, Kelsey. Good Thank job. You. Thanks. <laughs> That's your that's your your emotional support for the day. Oh, thanks, Robert. I appreciate it. No problem. That's what I'm here for. It's like a hug through the camera, right there. There we go. Cool, cool. All right, all right. Um, well, that is all the questions that cool. I have for you. Thanks for having and, me. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah. So, uh, thanks to Kelsey for joining us. This has been another episode. Well, the second episode. It's hard to say the another. I suppose it has been another or slash the second. Um, we're, we're working on this. <laughs> um, of the Things That Matter to Me podcast, um, we'll be back next time. So thanks for listening. Later. Mm-hmm.